You're listening to Bonus Points, the official podcast of Mr. Astle's theology class. Join us as we put out into the deep and explore the world of theology and beyond. Today, we're talking about a classic form of prayer, the Jesus Prayer. Let's begin. Well, welcome to another episode of Bonus Points. It is great to be here. This episode, like some episodes we've had in the past, connects to something that we'll be doing in one of my classes soon. Specifically, this is for the seniors. So right now, the seniors are taking the Paschal Mystery, which ends with a unit on prayer. So actually, just today, the day I'm recording this, we are beginning this final unit. Um, And we'll talk about prayer and, and the different grades and modes and forms of prayer. But we're also going to highlight how we can pray always. As we'll see, uh, I'm going to quote from one of Paul's letters where he says, pray without ceasing. How do we do that? One way, one way that's very popular, especially in the Eastern churches, is called the Jesus Prayer. And so what we're doing today is it's actually going to come up in the senior class uh, in just a couple days, a couple weeks here. Um, but it's always good to go a little bit more in depth. So this episode is a true bonus point. Uh, This is particularly a type of prayer that I didn't know about until a few years ago. I had maybe heard the term, like I'd I'd heard of the Jesus prayer, um, but I didn't didn't know anything about it. I certainly didn't practice it. Now, the more I've learned about it, the more I've tried it, um, I go to it a whole lot. It's it's one of those, those ways of praying that uh, I've been very drawn to, I've been very attracted to. And so I hope that maybe by learning a little bit about it today, you might be drawn to it as well. Um, if nothing else, my encouragement to you would be try it out, right? You can't go wrong. Worst case, you try it. And for one reason or another, you say, eh, it doesn't really click with me. But try it out. I, man, I love it a lot. So let's, let's, get, in, let's get into it. Let's get started. What is the Jesus prayer? So as the name suggests, As the name suggests, this prayer is really about the name of Jesus, right? And so it does have a few different variations. The classic one, the one that I'm most familiar with, the one that I've seen the most, is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And sometimes that gets shortened to just um, maybe just Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, or even just Jesus, mercy, just those two words. Um, or even just the name Jesus. So really, the Jesus prayer refers to when we pray with the name of Jesus. Uh, But that classic form, and the one we'll mostly be talking about here, is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so this, like many of our prayers, this prayer is deeply scriptural. Um, I mentioned a moment ago in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, St. Paul tells us, Pray without ceasing. And at first we think like, well, okay, what does that mean? Because like, there are other things I have to do, right? How do I pray without ceasing? And so through the ages, through the the different saints, they've given us different ways of meeting this command to pray without ceasing. Um, Some will point out that, you know, you can make your actions a prayer, right? If any action offered to God can be a thought of as a prayer, um, This is another way of responding to that command to pray without ceasing, because one thing about the Jesus prayer is that it's very easy to pray, I don't want to say in the background, but it's something that very quickly becomes a rhythm 
And so it's something that we can be doing even when we are in the midst of other activities. And that's another way to sanctify those activities is to be to be offering this prayer while doing it. There's a book that I'm going to link in the show notes um, that's just the classic on the Jesus prayer, and that's called Way of a Pilgrim. And it kind of begins with the, the pilgrim in question who hears this sermon on on 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and he wonders, you know, how do, how do you pray without ceasing? And that, that kind of begins his journey that ultimately will lead to him being taught the Jesus prayer. And in that, he finds, okay, this is how you do that. This is how you can pray without ceasing. The words themselves are also scriptural. Um, so many of the Psalms use, the, use that expression, Lord, have mercy, right? We just heard the Psalm at Mass yesterday. How often does that Psalm repeat? His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. The prayer itself, at least the, the format that I just referenced, most clearly um, comes to us from Luke 18. So this is when Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, the two guys in the temple. First guy was all like, I'm awesome. Look at me. So glad I'm not God. Thank you. I'm not that guy. And then we have this tax collector. Um, and so th- this is uh, from Luke 8, 18, 13. Jesus tells us, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so we, we see the kind of that, that same phrase there, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then the first part, the part that incorporates the name of Jesus, uh, makes me think immediately of Philippians 2. In verses 9 to 11, Paul writes, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is one of those prayers, like so many of our prayers, that is built entirely from Scripture, right? Um, Both the practice of it, you know, calling upon the name of Jesus and pray without ceasing, and even the the precise wording is is compiled of Scripture verses. So what I want to do now is go through that prayer, the, the classic form, the traditional form, word by word. Because what we find is that every word is just jam-packed with meaning here. And this is something that I found helpful was, you know, obviously, as we'll say in a minute, the objective of the Jesus prayer is to go beyond our thoughts, right? To become a, um, a more intimate union with God. But it's helpful, especially at the start when we're not used to it, to have some things to think about, right? To, to meditate, because that's ultimately what a lot of prayer is, right? Is directing the mind to God. So let's go through this and see what each word can tell us. So that first word, Lord, right? Kyrios in Greek. Well, that right off the bat, we're affirming that Jesus is Lord, right? He is God. He's not just another teacher. He's not just another wise man, but Jesus is Lord. And so that might lead us to ask ourselves, are we treating Jesus as Lord? Are we acknowledging his sovereignty? Are we acknowledging that his lordship, his dominion extends over all of creation? That includes every aspect of my life, right? Jesus claims ownership. He claims power over everything, not just the parts I want to give him or or the time when I'm in church. Am I really recognizing that Jesus is God, that he is God 
made flesh and that he is in charge, right? He's in charge. I'm not. That's second order. So we have Lord Jesus. Like we said, the name of Jesus has power, right? There is power in the name of Jesus. So much so that traditionally, uh, as Catholics, we even bow. We nod our heads every time we hear it or say it just out of so much reverence for that name. And so it it hurts. It's It's terrible to hear people use the name casually or especially to hear them use it as a curse. It's you know, no, this is the name by which we are saved. This this name has power. And even when we look at where it comes from, the name Jesus uh, entered English through Greek. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And so this would have, if you take that directly from Hebrew into English, you get the name Joshua. So when you think of like Joshua, son of Nun in the Old Testament, and Jesus, like in Hebrew, their names are the same, right? Yeshua. And that means the Lord saves right? Yeshua, the Lord saves, um, or the Lord is salvation. And so that name of Jesus, even before it was taken in the incarnation, even before he was called Jesus, that name Yeshua tells us the Lord saves. He wants to save us. And then in the incarnation, we have Jesus take the name, right? He is called Jesus because he wants to remind us the Lord saves. That's why he's here, right? And that takes us to the next word, Lord Jesus Christ. That word Christ, has, if you're one of my students, you've heard this how many times now. Christ is the Greek uh, Christos, which means anointed one. It's the, the same as the, the Hebrew word Mashiach or Messiah. So Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the anointed one, right? Jesus was anointed. He was sent from the Father to us. He came here for a purpose, and that purpose was to bring us back into union with him, to bridge the gap. And so even just in that first part, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm reminded that God is real, that he loves me, that he came to earth to save me. Now let's talk about mercy. So that's, that's kind of the other, the first half of the Jesus prayer is all about Jesus, right? Even just that shorter form of Jesus mercy, right? Jesus mercy. This feels timely since yesterday we just celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, and that, hopefully, you've, you've been thinking about this, hopefully we can ask ourselves, what is mercy? Right? Because this is one of those things that it's easy to have false ideas, or at least ideas that are lacking. Right? Maybe they're not wrong, per se, but sometimes our ideas of mercy are missing something, and they're missing something good. So, sometimes when we think of mercy, we think that it just means not punishing somebody. Like, I was about to do something terrible to you, but I'm going to have mercy and not do it. We think of, like, like a mercy rule in, in a sport, right? Um, we're just, it's, it's a, a negative in the sense that it's a lack of something. So, most of the time, our understanding of mercy is that it, it's what's not there. Kind of like sometimes our idea of peace is just the absence of conflict, when really, both mercy and peace have a lot more to it. It goes a lot deeper than that. So what is it? The word mercy comes from the Latin misericordia, um, which is, is made up of two words there, misery and cordia or heart. And so literally, mercy is a heart for misery or a heart that goes out to misery. I mean, think about it, it was divine mercy 
that reached out to us in the misery of our sins. When we think about doing a work of mercy, whether the corporal works of mercy or the spiritual works of mercy, these are those actions that reach out to those around us who are in misery. This is where we get the word compassion, compassion literally to suffer with. And so when we think about the mercy of God, it's more than just not punishing us. It's more than just not sending us to hell, but it's a God who reaches out to us in our misery. It's a God who who finds us in the misery of our sins, the misery of our human weakness, and he comes to meet us there. And then he impels us to do the same, to go out to those who are also in misery, to have a heart for them. So mercy, misericordia, um, literally a heart for misery. Now, in Eastern spirituality, meaning uh, like like Eastern Catholicism or, or Eastern Orthodoxy, the concept of mercy is a little bit broader. And I mention this because um, the Jesus prayer is especially popular in the East. And so their, their way of talking about mercy is, is even a little bit bigger than maybe ours is in the Roman world. Um, I was struck by this the first time I encountered the Byzantine liturgy, the Eastern Catholic liturgy. Uh, because right at the beginning of the liturgy, and I do want to have an episode one of these days on um, the Byzantine rite as a whole, because I love it a lot. But one of the things you find at the beginning of the liturgy is called the Litany of Peace. And this uh, is very similar to what we in the Roman world have with the prayers of the faithful or the the intercessions, where we're presenting needs before God. We're, We're asking God to intercede for those around us. But what I was struck by this first time I encountered it was that normally, so in, in the West, we respond to intercessions with Lord, hear our prayer or something like that. But in the litany of peace, the response is Lord, have mercy. Uh, and in fact, in the Byzantine, right, it shows up all over the place, right? Um, just that, that refrain, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, shows up dozens and dozens of times throughout the Byzantine liturgy. And that struck me because I'm used to only like, again, as Romans, we use it in the context of God forgiving sins, but Byzantines seem to use it in every context. And so, well, how do they think of it? Um, In the East, the concept of mercy to say, Lord have mercy is essentially to say, God do what you do. God do what you do. In other words, God do your thing, right? You know better than I do what that is. You know better than I do how to do it. And so by praying, Lord, have mercy, what I'm asking is, Lord, do what you do best, whatever that is, whether that's answering my prayer in the way that I think or hope you'll answer it or it's something else. Lord, have mercy. God, do what you do. Do your thing. And so that's why it's used as a response to petitions. That's why it's used for everything. And so this prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy right? Um, We're recognizing who Jesus is, that he is the Lord, that he is God, that he is the Son of God, that he was sent from God. And we're saying, God, do what you do best, no matter what it is, no matter what we're asking of him, no matter what worries or what desires are on our hearts. When we pray, Lord, have mercy, we're asking God, do what you do best. We're giving him permission to do his thing, All right, that last part, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I know some of us hear that word, that 
that word sinner and we just immediately think, oh, there it goes. There's the Catholic guilt again, right? You guys are always talking about sins, aren't you? Really, really love that one. Um, the good news, this is not a condemnation here, right? We're not repeating, you know, this isn't the same as, as just saying, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner all day, like, man, I'm the worst. Because we just said, Lord, have mercy, right? This whole prayer is asking God for mercy. And so this reference to being a sinner, this even going to, to say, I'm direct, I'm a sinner, right? That's not an act of condemnation. What it is, it's, it's a recognition that I can't do anything on my own, right? If you're just looking at me on my own merits, I don't have much to offer. In fact, I don't have anything to offer. Even those talents to, that I do have, and they're very good, well, they're good, right? The, the talents are very good, even if um, not always very developed. Um, even that is not really my, anything that, that I had anything to do with. Um, it was given to me by somebody else. Um, God is the one who made me. And there are so many others who helped form me. And so I'm not, it's nothing about me, right? And so that, this is a recognition of that. To say I'm a sinner is to say, listen, I'm, I don't have anything good on my own. It all comes from somewhere else. It all ultimately comes from God. And that's important because sometimes we, we think that we're good enough, right? We think that, well, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I, I have my failings, but I mean, I'm still a pretty good person, right? At the end of the day, like, maybe God will let me into heaven just because I, I was pretty good. Again, I maybe not awesome, but I was okay. And I, I always think of, sometimes we approach heaven, like the, I've had so many students who, they're right on the line between like a B and an A, right? They're one percentage point off. It's almost report card time. And, and they always ask you, can you just, can you just bump me up that little, like, look how good of a student I've been. I know that I'm one point away. Can you just like, give me that last nudge so that I can have an A. Sometimes we, we go to God like that. We say, yeah, I know I wasn't an A student, but I was pretty close, right? Maybe you can just maybe just bump me, uh, bump me over the line there into heaven. How would that be? Would that work? The problem is that's not good enough, right? We can't earn heaven. Any heaven that I could earn is not going to be an eternal paradise, right? Um, and I'm not even close. And so to say, Lord, I am a sinner is not supposed to be like self-deprecating or um, like negative per se. What it really is, is me saying, I could never earn heaven. I could never be good enough on my own because I see how weak I am, right? I'm, I'm just a creature, but I'm, I know that I have a God who wants to show mercy. I know I have a God who wants me to be in heaven. And so I'm going to trust myself entirely to him. I'm not going to rely on my own merits. I'm not going to rely on my own abilities. I'm going to say, Lord, I am totally yours. Do with me what you will. Um, Jesus himself tells us, you can do nothing, right? Without me, you can do nothing. He says this in John 15, 5, when he's, he's telling this, he's giving us this image of um, the vine and the branches. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And if you cut the branches off the vine, they die, right? So he says, without me, you can do nothing. He doesn't say, 
without me, you can't do much. He doesn't say without me, you can't do anything spectacular. Without me, you can't do anything miraculous. He says, without me, you can do nothing, nothing. I can't do anything without him. I always think of what God tells St. Catherine of Siena, um, this incredible, incredible mystic who you know, lived a life of very deep union with the Lord. And he even said, I am he who is, you are she who is not. In other words, I'm God, you're not. And there's freedom in that to recognize I don't have to try to be God. I don't have to try to earn heaven because, you know, I can never do that. All I can do is recognize, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I am. I have so many weaknesses and so many failings. But more importantly, I have a Lord who loves me. I have a Lord who wants to be with me, who wants to show mercy. So it's prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Part of the reason it's so valuable to, to have that always on our lips, always on our mind is because it reminds us of that fundamental relationship, right? At the end of the day, the most fundamental relationship in my life is my relationship with God and everything else has to come from that. And so I'm reminding myself at the end of the day, where do we stand here, right? Because we're definitely not on, on even ground. I can't go to God as a peer as though we're, I'm anywhere close to where he is because he is the transcendent one. But I'm still going to say, have mercy on me because that, that heart that goes out to misery. And so this prayer, part of the reason I love it is you can pray it no matter what kind of mood you're in. Um, because that prayer, Lord, have mercy, Lord, do what you do best. And so whether you're having a good day, whether you're having a bad day, whether you're, you're in a more... You're, you're more willing to praise, right? Or at least praise comes easier. Gratitude comes easier. Or you're coming from a place where we have a lot of those needs on our heart. Um, this prayer is there for us, right? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So how do you do it? You want to you wanna dive in? You're like, all right, you sold me. So as with all prayer, we have to start with placing ourselves in the presence of God. Right, because prayer is not just empty repetition, it's not vain repetition. Prayer is not just words. And so it must begin in the presence of God. And you can pray it either out loud or silently. I tend to pray it silently or maybe at a whisper, but some people pray it out loud. And there there's sometimes some breathing associated with it, um, which is not it's not required. You don't have to do this part. I find it helpful. And that's to as we inhale to pray those first couple words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. So as we inhale, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, and then we exhale, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so the way we can, we can think about that is we're, we're inhaling um, all that God is, right? And exhaling all that he is not. And so that first half, we, we breathe in because we say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, the great he who is, and then we're, we're exhaling, have mercy on me, a sinner right? We're exhaling all that is not of God. And so this is something um, that hopefully becomes a rhythm. And as we're doing this, we try to move beyond images. So we, we really like to use our imaginations, and that's good. Our, imagines, our imaginations can be used in prayer. We're going to have a whole episode on Ignatian prayer, which is all about the imagination. But when it comes to this prayer specifically, we want to try to go beyond our sensory experiences, including our imaginations. Sometimes we are tempted to, like, 
We want to picture Jesus, which again, that, that's valuable in its own right. But with the Jesus prayer, we want to try to go beyond that. Um, because our images, our imaginations are often very limiting. And so we, we want to try to place ourselves in his presence such that we are allowing him to reveal himself. We're not trying to constrain him with whatever mental image we have of him. And the more we pray the Jesus prayer, the more we get used to this, we'll find um, that we are beginning to pray without ceasing, that we'll, we'll catch ourselves just praying this prayer without even, without consciously beginning, right? It'll just come to us as soon as we wake up. It'll be with us until we fall asleep. And, and so it truly becomes that way of, of doing what St. Paul says, pray without ceasing. And if you're just starting out and you, you're having a little bit of difficulty, try emphasizing different words, right? As you pray, try placing that emphasis on each word in succession. Um, and then some people will also use a knotted rope called a choke to count the prayers. Um, again, optional, but might be helpful. But no matter what, the most important thing is that you do it, right? That you're praying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, wherever you are, whenever you are, I invite you. Uh, try it out. Incorporate this way of praying into your life. Um, what resources do I have for you now that we're, we're drawing to a close here? Uh, well, I'm going to have a link to that book that I mentioned before, The Way of a Pilgrim. And then, of course, all the scripture passages that I mentioned, I'll have links to those as well. I'm also linking to a book by Peter Crafe called Prayer for Beginners. I linked to this book way back in episode three on how to start praying. But it's helpful to put it out there again, because this book does have a chapter on the Jesus prayer. And then finally, I'm going to be linking to an episode of a podcast called What God Is Not, um, which is a, a Byzantine Catholic podcast um, done by a Byzantine priest and nun. Uh, they have an episode, fantastic episode on the Jesus prayer. And so for right now, that's all I have for you. As always, um, I would invite you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it share it with somebody who you think would enjoy it. And as always, have a fantastic rest of your day. Until then, until next time, I'm Mr. Astle, and this has been another episode of Bonus Points.